This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Leo Blasey talks about holy water. Does holy water do any good in the spiritual world? Why do we sprinkle holy water on graves? Well, let's find out. Father Leo is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Tolman. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this day, which is your gift to us. Let us live it in a way that is pleasing to you. We thank you for saving us from sin and death. Make us virtuous and holy. We thank you for a place being prepared for us in your house forever. Do not let us be separated from you. We thank you for the many things that we have we take for granted and help us to delight in your goodness. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Leo Blazy is an earthly father and grandfather. After his wife died, he entered the priesthood and was ordained June 3rd, 2017 at Sacred Heart Cathedral in Salina. Father Leo is, a ret- is retired from the U.S. Army, where he was a mechanic, then a helicopter pilot, and eventually maintenance test pilot. Currently, Father Leo is the pastor of Sacred Heart Church in Plainville and St. Thomas Church in Stockton. So, Father Leo, thanks for coming on the air today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So, we're going to be talking about the power of holy water. And so, Father Leo, holy water just got back into our churches, or at least you know, <laughs> a lot of them. So, can you explain how the power of water goes back to the Old Testament. Well, let's start with Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So the first created thing mentioned in the scriptures is water. Water has been throughout. I, I tried to find out exactly how many times water is referenced in the scriptures, and <laughs> the the number was just astronomical. So I, I've I've got a sheet here that's got over a hundred quotes, and I'm not going to use in, almost, almost any of them. But um, <laughs> it's it's really easy to go in into the scriptures and find references to water. Sure. The the interesting thing about it is if if you look at ancient history, most cultures were afraid of water. The water symbolized darkness and, and unknowing, and that's, it was the place where the sea monsters and the dragons all dwelt. And so most people tried to avoid the water. But if you, at the, even from the very beginning of, of Hebrew history, water played a very important role in in almost everything that was accomplished through the Old Testament, and it led right into the New Testament with Jesus' uses of water for for baptism and for healing. And uh, so water has been a very powerful part of of who we are as a, a Christian people and as a people of God from the very beginning. And I think that we should not neglect that. I, I know that there, over the last 70 or 80 years, there's, there have been a lot of people that have de-emphasized sacramentals. And um, a part of that is probably because there were some places and some times where the, the sacramentals almost became um, sacrilegious because, yeah. it, you know, you used them as as good luck charms or, or believe that they could do special things for you rather than having the sacramentals draw you to the focus on on God, which is what they're intended for and what they're what they're good for is to, to draw us closer to God. And so that's the emphasis that I always try to bring to discussions on the sacramentals is to make sure that we, we recognize that they are not magic talismans, they're not good luck charms, they are 
tools to, to draw us closer to God. No, absolutely. Um, the, the church gives us seven sacraments. The sacraments are, are signs instituted by Christ to give grace. Sacramentals are, are tools for us to use to draw us closer into those sacraments so that we can be closer to, to the body of Christ. And so we, we never want to neglect sacramentals. At the same time, we don't want to abuse them. So. Do you have anything else to say about the whole the water going back to the Old Testament and, and some of the connections there? Well, you talked about the, the destructiveness of the some of the pagan understandings of water. And if you look at some of the stories in the early part of the Old Testament, it, it looks like from the outside that water is very destructive even in the Old Testament. We, we, the first story we see is the Great Flood where all living beings are destroyed except for the, the ones that were on the ark with, with Noah and his family. But actually, if you look at that story, that's a story of renewal and, and purification. So the, the focus on the destruction that happened with the flood is, is not the Christian way to look at that story. The, the story is that God allowed renewal to come so that, that he could move in, in the world and, and draw mankind to himself. The next big story we see with water is the story of the Israelites passing through the Red Sea. Of course, the, the Egyptian army is destroyed, but the Israelites are saved through that water. Um, both of those stories are symbols of baptism and the, the death and rebirth that occurs in baptism. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, we hear in Matthew 3.16 where it says that Jesus, Jesus was baptized and immediately when he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. The New Testament, when we start talking about water, invariably we hear also about the Holy Spirit. So yes. the, the purification of water brings about an opportunity for us to grow in the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit to move in us to draw us closer to God. So just a, a powerful view of, of how God uses water to, to draw us closer to him. And I got an interesting question here for you here. How does an Old Testament story tie into the woman at the well? There are a couple of ways that you can actually tie the Old Testament to the woman at the well. The first one, the, the woman at the well mentions herself. The, where, what well are they at? Fill in the blank. I don't remember. Ja Jacob's well. Jacob's well. Yeah, ja cool. Jacob gave the well to his family so that they could provide water, life-giving sustenance to the, the animals and to their families there. And, and so Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the, at the well that Jacob gave. But Jesus speaks of the well of life-giving water, water that will flow eternally and, and provide life forever. Um, so that's one connection. Another connection if, is a little more obscure. Um, if you read the book of Numbers in, in, five, in chapter 5 of the book of Numbers, it, it talks about a, a process of the, the priest testing a woman that is accused of adultery. And uh, the way the test is done is that it's, the accusation is written on the woman's thigh, and then the, the priest gives her a, cloth, a wet cloth that she uses to wipe those words off. And then she wrings that cloth into a cup, and she's supposed to drink the bitter waters from the, that mixture. If she is able to have children after that, then the accusation was false. If she is barren after that, or, and if she's pregnant, if the, if the baby dies, then she is actually um, guilty of adultery. So the woman at the well comes to Jesus, and, and he doesn't have to do the test. 
he recognizes her when she comes and um, he he knows her past that she's been married a number of times and and she's actually living with somebody that's not her husband right now the interesting thing about that is he presents that truth to her not as a way of accusing her and and shaming her but as a way of drawing her closer to himself and helping her to recognize that that what he is offering is something that is more profound than anything she or the the people that she lives with have, have ever been witness to. And the story bears out that, that she understood that because she immediately went back into town and told the people, there is a man out here who is different from anybody else we have ever seen or heard. And she believed that he was the Messiah. And so just a, a powerful moving story of, of how Christ works with people where they are and, and draws them to himself. And uses the water image to 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 bring that person to to the understanding of who he is. Oh, absolutely, you know. But Father, let's go into why is holy water a sacramental in baptism and in our our churches? So, what do you have to say about that? The the reason that holy water is is such a powerful part of our teaching and our sacraments is because Jesus made it that way. Um, we, we talked just a minute ago about Jesus is coming out of the water of the Jordan um, and having the Spirit come down upon him. Why was Jesus baptized? Baptism is for the free, the baptism of John was for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus had no sin. The, the baptism of Christ is for the salvation of the soul. Jesus doesn't need to be saved. So, so why was Jesus baptized? Jesus' baptism purified the waters and made it valid for all sacraments and all sacramentals. And so that was just the action of Christ that made water available to us to use for cleansing, for purification, and, and just as a way of, of recognizing the, the bountifulness of God's gift to us. Um, what is water? What's, what's the chemical formula of water? Two hydrogens, one oxygen. H2O. <laughs> Why do you suppose that is? I'm asking. I used to be good at bio, you know, biology, chemistry, father. I'm no longer part of that, part of that persuasion. I'll let you answer that one. <laughs> well, what is hydrogen as far as quantity? In terms of quantity, very, very, very light. I mean, it's the first, first element, very, very light. Yes. Right. But it's also the most available, available element in, in the universe. Hydrogen is everywhere, on <laughs> on every planet. It's the it's the building block, the, the base compound with hydrogen and carbon. Everything is made from those two elements. And and what's oxygen? Another common element there. It's common here on Earth, um, and it is throughout the universe, too, based on scientific studies, but it's not nearly as common in other places as it is here on Earth. And what do we have here on Earth that we don't necessarily have in a lot of other places? Life. Life. Oxygen is life. So hydrogen is the base compound that's most available in the universe. Oxygen is life-giving. And so water is made from, the, from those two things. And that's evidence of, of God's providence. It's evidence of, of how God works to, to make things available to us that we need. And, and water is one of those things that we absolutely need in order to live. Father, thinking about, again, holy water going into our churches and stuff— why can't we use something else? I'm going to answer your question with a question initially, and then then we'll go a little bit deeper sure. into it. Um, what do you do with the holy water when you enter into church? Typically, uh, 
you bless yourself with it. Again, if you're a kid, you may spray it, but yes, you bless yourself with it. Yes, and you make the sign of the cross. So, so you dip that. your hand in the water, and you the first thing you do is you touch your forehead with it, and then you make the sign of the cross, and you say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Whether you say it out loud or to yourself, it's that's a symbol of our baptism. It's a reminder to each of us of our baptism that we we, we see it as so important that we remind ourselves of it every time we enter and every time we leave the church. And so water is what we use in baptism. So having something else there is not the reminder of baptism. I, I had a number of parishioners that said, well, can't we just mix 50-50 alcohol and water or put hand sanitizer and put some water in it? <laughs> um, I told them no. But I did actually um, back in September when it started to – looked like we weren't going to be sure when we were going to be able to get holy water back, at least in the open dishes in the, in the parishes. I spoke to our supplier for, that had given us our hand sanitizers, the automatic hand sanitizers, mm-hmm. and they had a hand sanitizer that was made specifically for dispensing liquid alcohol. So they had a, a special nozzle that they put into it. And I had built for both of the churches at Sacred Heart and St. Thomas holy water dispensers it's you know a little one quart tub in in the dispensers and we put holy water in it and you put your hand underneath of it and it squirted out a, well, there you go. a small amount of holy water um, so our churches have had holy water for for over six months now when others didn't um, but it was because the the people in the parishes were asking me how what can we do what do we have to do to get this back and that was the, the best answer that I could come up with, and, and it did provide what they were looking for. Absolutely. So. My next question for you here, speaking of all that, is um, – and I'm going to say a bad joke about this, but it's okay. What makes the water holy? And I was – you know, the joke goes as many people know you how to make holy water. You burn the hell out of it. But, you know, what makes the water holy compared to just plain water? Simple answer is God. Yeah. God makes whatever is holy, holy. Um, But there are blessings that are said over the water, and that's done by a a priest, or in some circumstances, a deacon is allowed to bless the holy water. Individuals, lay persons, can't bless holy water. Um, So there are a lot of things that lay persons can do to extend the the holy water that they have and, and to... To, to bless without holy water if it's necessary. Um, one of the things, I, I brought a couple of bags of salt in today that were blessed at our Easter vigil this year. You know, you can keep salt on the shelf for a long time, and, and if you, for some whatever reason, would would run out of holy water, um, you can use the salt in pretty much the same way as, as you do the holy water to, to sprinkle it on places. And um, you can even add, you can take blessed salt and put it in water. Now, that doesn't make the water holy water, but what it does do is allows you to use that salt in a way where you can apply it to, to things that you can't as a, as a mineral. But the easiest way and, and the, the most used way for blessing things is the use of holy water. And, and especially here in the United States, water is so readily available that yes. um, it's, it's easy to get and to use holy water. So I encourage everybody to have holy water available in their homes always. And yeah. if you can, have it in holy water dispensers at your doors so that you can, can bless yourself coming in and going out. You bet. And, and you can actually cause the sacramental not to be effective by, by using it in a superstitious way. 
I guess I didn't know that. You, you've made it an idol. Um, you know, we can't put anything before God. And the caution of the the first commandment is not to, to have other things before God. And so we have to understand that, that God gives us things to use, but we can't give those things, those created things, those creatures, power that, that is only available to God. We have to allow God to work through them, not believe that these particular things can can do the things that God only can do. So we, we have to be very cautious of that. Um, and that's part of the reason that in a lot of places the, the church has a, a bad rap is because in, there are, have been a lot of places in the world, including some places in Europe where people were very educated, where the sacramentals became that superstitious item that was um, used in a way that was inappropriate. And so we as a Catholic church, we, we need to understand what we have, and we need to make sure that everybody knows they are available, but we also have to make sure that people understand what they are and what they are not. Absolutely. Um, so we can't, again, make the holy water a lucky rabbit's foot, and we can't force God to do what is against God by using the sacramentals in a way that, you know, God promised that he would provide these things if I do this with this sacramental, so I'm going to force him to do this. Well, that's not how God works. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah, we're really abusing the privilege there. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about Holy Water with Father Leo Blazy. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Holy Water with Father Leo Blazy. George Toman conducts the interview. Father Leo talking about holy water here. What power is in holy water, Father? And... Did the saints say anything about it? The, the power in the holy water is the power that God gives it through blessing it, um, uh, and it can be very powerful. Um, Satan hates holy water. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, I, I think there might be another question down the sheet a little bit further about are there different kinds of holy water, so I don't want to get too much into that. But we can we have to make sure that the, the water that we're using is, is for the purpose that we're using it for, um, so there is water that's, you know, baptismal water, which is um, usually combined with with the holy oils in the baptismal rite. Uh, there's water for uh, exercising demons, and that, that needs to be exercised water with used with exercised salt. Um, so the, the sacramentals have power in themselves because of God's blessing on them, uh, and they can be used for different reasons, but... Uh, the, the power comes from God and not from anything in that created thing that that has the power in and of itself. So yes. we, we've got to remember that you know we are all through our baptism priest, prophet, and king, but that doesn't give us the right in the, in the laity. It doesn't give them the right to do the sacramental priesthood because they are not ordained. So um, we have to be careful in our in our ministries that we do as laypersons to. To stay within the realm of the, the the lay priesthood and not step into the 
the yes. realm of the sacramental Amen. priesthood. Very... The, the, the bishop has that authority. He can make priest, but we can't make ourselves priest in that way. So. <laughs> Amen. No, exactly. Basic question, but should we use holy water at home? We should use holy water everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> kind of saying Car- the, the definitely obvious. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, um, we'll, we'll go back to the last question and hit the last part of it. It says, what did, the, what did the saints say about holy water? All the saints encouraged use to the sacramentals, and, and holy water is, is one of those things that the, many of the saints emphasized how powerful it is and how important it is to to use that sacramental. It's an, it's an easy way for us to... To, to carry a sacramental that, that provides God's blessings for us if we use it appropriately. So um, the saints all encourage that. And it, for that reason, we, we should use it at home. We should get the water from the church. And, and if you can't find it at the church, ask the priest or somebody that's working at the church. There's almost always a reservoir at the church somewhere yes. that's full of holy water. Um, sometimes there, it's not in an obvious place, but it's almost always there. So you can... And if you can't find it, or if there, if it's empty, you can always approach the priest. And the, you know, I, I heard a joke when I was at seminary. Um, a, a young priest went to the pastor and said, "Where do we buy our holy water?" Th- those rites that you do at home as a parent are your exercise of the priesthood of the the faithful that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, and people would say that that the parent has the right. I would say the parents have the obligation of accessing that priesthood and, and revealing that to their children to see um, the blessings that can be provided through parents and parents need to, to really know understand and, and and gain access to the the ability to, to bless their children and their and their homes through the, the the things that they're able to use in the sacramentals and so it's something that really needs to be emphasized I think in the church today because there are a lot of homes where you walk in and you couldn't tell the difference if it was a Catholic home or a yeah, secular home very, or, very true. Uh, because sacramentals just have not been emphasized to a lot of people and I think it's something that it's an awakening that, that can really benefit the whole church and, and all the members of the church. I firmly agree with what you said and, and you know blessing your children when they're having hard times for whatever reason is, is always a good thing um, but especially when it comes to, to places in the house where they they're struggling. Uh, a few months ago, I had somebody approach me that was not Catholic, and he said, my daughter's been seeing things in, in her room. And he said, what can I do about it? Well, I, I said, well, we can do a couple of things, but the first thing I'm going to do is give you some holy water and some blessed salt, and I'm going to have you go and, and bless your home. And then if that doesn't work, then you can come back to me and, and we'll talk about whether you want me to come to your house and, and do a, a blessing of the house and stuff. The sacramentals did the trick. He, he didn't need anything after that. So uh, this guy didn't know what the sacramentals were about, but the, he, he knew that, that I had offered them to him for a purpose, and he used them appropriately for that purpose. So the sacramentals had the power that, that God gave them. So, yeah. um, so we don't need to be afraid of, of using those sacramentals in the appropriate way. Yeah. Why do we sprinkle holy water on the body of a dead person and use it at the gravesite? And we sprinkle the holy water quite a bit during that funeral liturgy. So, well, Father. Again, we use the, sacram- the sacramentals in, in all of our liturgies, um, and holy water is a, a constant thing. Um, actually, we don't use it as much as we used to use it. Um, 
but it's actually available for us to use. Instead of doing the penitential rite at Mass, we can actually do a, a sprinkling at every Mass. That's one of the— Oh, I didn't realize the, the, you could the, do that even that's, outside that's, the Easter season? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh. That's, Learn something new today, folks. <laughs> that, that's one of the penitential rites is the sprinkling with holy water. Um, um, for the same reason that, that we sprinkle the, the body of a deceased person, we believe that, that um, for one thing, the, the grave can be something where the, the devil has a hold on the ground. There, um, Typically in a Catholic cemetery, we don't have too much to fear for that. But, but you don't know what goes on in some cemeteries. Sure. And so... Every time I, I get ready for an interment, I, I try to sprinkle the ground bef- even before the casket arrives, and um, and then we, we sprinkle the, the, the body and the casket to make sure that um, the, the sacramental is has the power to do what the sacramental is supposed to do in, in blessing that person. We're members of the communion of saints. The, the living and the deceased are all part of the same body of Christ, and... and the sacramentals can be just as efficacious to the the person efficacious to the person that has died and is on the journey to heaven as it is for those of us that are in the church militant here on earth. So, sure, no, very good. Uh, we already hinted at this a little bit, Father, but for the listening audience and maybe some other details you want to provide, when does holy water not become holy? Well, it does not become holy when somebody who's not authorized to to bless it tries to bless it, or when the person that's doing the blessing is not capable of validly doing the blessing. Um, this is a little bit different from sacraments because it, a, a priest who is properly ordained and, and has the right functions can can do sacraments even if they're not properly disposed. So even if a priest is in mortal sin, God forbid that should happen, but even if a priest is in mortal sin, the sacraments that he confers are valid sacraments. And that's a blessing for the laity yes. because they don't have to make sure that their priest is is in a state of grace before they go to communion or before they receive other sacraments. But we, the doing blessings are is not the same thing because it's those are not individually life important. So a, a priest that is not properly disposed when he's trying to bless something has no power to bless. Um, so if somebody who is not properly disposed tries to bless something, it does not become blessed. So if you're not an appropriate minister to do the blessing or if the appropriate minister is not properly disposed to do the blessing, then then those things are not blessed. So yeah. I, I find it really funny that people have problems with, with rules in their spiritual life we have rules in the physical world that we have to follow. Um, we have to eat yeah. or we will die. We have yep. to drink we have, or we will die. We have to breathe or we will die. I can step off a mountain and say I don't believe in the law of gravity. Gravity is still going to take hold of me, believe me. <laughs> um, why would the spiritual life be any different? The same God that created the physical world is the one that created the spiritual world. And he has established – laws and just because we don't like them doesn't mean that they're not real doesn't mean that they're not there and it doesn't mean that we can get by without following those rules so um, just as much as the laws of nature that are required for us to continue living in the physical world there are laws in the spiritual world that we have to, to abide by in order to continue to live in the spiritual world and there are consequences to denying that and not following through with that 
What's the difference between holy water and blessed salt? Um, again, the the intended purpose is the main difference. Um, blessed salt is most often used for um, for demonic issues and and to to get rid of the demonic um, for exorcisms and that type of thing. Holy water has a much broader use, um, um, and because of that, there are a couple different types of holy water. You can have. I can bless holy water during mass and not do the exorcism right on it, and it's still holy water, and it's good for use in, in blessing our kids and stuff like that. But you wouldn't want to use that in an exorcism without doing the rite of exorcism over it before before you do that. Um, and so, um, and then there is water. Some of the rites add oil to the water, and it's used in baptism and. Um, so different purposes, uh, and we just want to make sure that we use those things appropriately. Uh, one of the other questions that was asked is, is how do we get rid of old holy water or, or um, holy water that's been contaminated? Um, the easiest way is just to find a place where it's not going to be trod on on the ground, and you know, like at the, the base of a tree or in a in a flower bed where people are not going to be able to walk over it and just pour it out on the ground so that it's absorbed into the ground. If you want to dig a hole, you can. Um, same way with containers that were used to, to carry holy water or to, to carry other sacramentals. Um, they should be either burnt or buried so that they're, you know, that they should not be thrown in the trash and liquids that are, are sacramental should not be poured into the sewer. Yes. Um, so we, we just want to make sure that we have, we apply the right reverence to those things that are, are used for refer, reverential purposes. Anything else of the power of holy water, sacramentals, or anything else you want to say to the listeners on here, to any of your parishioners? In the, in the last couple of decades, there has been a de-emphasis on, on ritual. Um, a lot of priests don't care for the rituals at all, and a, a lot of priests um, don't see the value in the rituals. Um, but we are a people of ritual. Um, if you don't believe that, Look at the time when, the, the, at, right after Vatican II, when the, the rituals were de-emphasized in the church, and, and look at what happened in, in the secular culture. It was about the same time that a lot of the tailgating things started at sports point. programs. People were missing that ritual in their in their spiritual life in their church life, so they went out and they made it somewhere else. And if you don't believe that the things that people do at sports programs on Sundays are, are ritual, <laughs> religious rituals, then, then you haven't been paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, if, if you have a ritual that you really appreciate, that you really like, make sure that you tell your priest that, that this has value to you. That's the only way that they can know. I'm approached all the time with people that have private devotions, and private devotions are good, and I encourage people to have them. I also encourage people to recognize that I cannot be involved in every private devotion. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if there is a ritual in the church that, that has a power that, that speaks to you and you're not doing it in your local church, mention it to your pastor because maybe there are other people that, that have expressed the same thing. And sure. um, I know myself, if there's something that I can do at a mass on a particular saint day that you know, I'm already going to be doing the mass anyway, why don't I incorporate that in it if, if, if it has – an effect on people and, and it brings them closer to God. So I'm I'm more than willing to listen to those things, and I would ask people to bring them to me. Don't be afraid to do that with your pastor as well. 
it might change the way your pastor thinks about things. But very true. Uh, at the same time, don't go and demand that you know. <laughs> I, I'm doing First Friday devotions. I demand that you do First Friday devo- yeah. <laughs> devotions. No, that Father Leo, thank you for this conversation today. Uh, before you go, if you would, uh, um, I ask for your blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. May Almighty God descend upon you all and be with you. May he give you light and peace, comfort and joy, health and happiness all the days of your life. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Leo, and thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. And folks, heaven is not seen, but neither are these airwaves. However, if you can help Jesus through this radio station, Save Souls for Heaven, please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM, Lindsburg, Salina, 105.7 KMDG, Hayes, 88.1 KRTT, Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM, Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.